to episode 16 of Mountain Bike Talk SA. I'm Brad Brown. Thank you for joining me this week and Happy New Year to you. The first Mountain Bike Talk SA of 2014 gets underway and we're talking about some pretty cool things this week. I caught up with Dr. Kirsten van Heerden, a sports psychologist, to chat a little bit about goal setting. I thought this was a fantastic time to chat about planning your year and uh, how to go about setting and achieving some wonderful things in the new year. Uh, so that chat's coming up. I also caught up with Dion Stain, who is uh, one of the organizers of the high school mountain bike series. And they're doing some amazing things uh, for mountain biking on the school circuit. So that's coming up on this week's show, too. Don't forget, if you'd like to be in touch, you can email us, podcast at mtbtalksa.coza. You can tweet us at mtbtalksa. Or if you're on Facebook, like our Facebook page. Some cool updates go up there uh, on a very regular basis. Just go to facebook.com forward slash mtbtalksa. And as always, if you listen to this podcast through iTunes... If I could ask you to please uh, just leave us a star rating and a review. What that does is it helps other people find this podcast on iTunes and helps uh, us uh, get discovered by more people. It's like a big search engine, like a big Google. And obviously, the more uh, reviews and ratings you get, the better it is. That's the way Apple ranks these podcasts. So let's get straight into this week's show and we'll kick things off uh, with Dr. Kirsten van Heerden. Well, it's been a while since we uh, chatted sports psychology here on Mountain Bike Talk SA, and I thought uh, I'd get uh, Kirsten uh, van Heerden back on the show. Dr. Kirsten van Heerden, we chatted early, early on uh, in Mountain Bike Talk uh, history, and uh, it's good to have you back on again. Compliments of t- uh, to 2014 for you. Welcome, uh, welcome back. Yeah, same to you. I hope it's a good year, and thank you for inviting me back to talk on your show. You're most welcome. It should it should be a good year. I've got a feeling in my gut it's going to be a fantastic one, but we, we wanted to sort of just touch base. Reason being, it's the start of a new year. A lot of people set goals uh, at the start uh, of a year, resolutions and looking ahead at uh, what's coming up. And I thought, let's chat a little bit about goal setting, and in particular from a mountain bike perspective. What are some of the, the, the sort of benefits of setting goals at a time like this heading into to a new year, Kirsten? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I suppose everyone starts a new year with these New Year's resolutions and things they want to do, and very often within the first month, um, things have gone awry. So <laughs> goal setting is, you know, it's an incredibly important mental skill and it's actually a foundational mental skill. But, yeah, a lot of people seem to, to get it wrong. Um, and you know, what, what sports psychologists have found is that if you set goals correctly, it can really increase your performance and enhance performance. But when you set them incorrectly, um, it can have the opposite effect. So it often, it often sounds quite, quite simple. And I know when I often speak to teams and uh, athletes, you know, when you talk about goal setting, they're all like, oh, no, I know exactly what to do. Um, but when you get down into it, I say there's quite an art, actually, to, to setting goals. Okay, well, let, let's dig a little bit deeper into that because because I'm with you on this one. That uh, I've I've gone through times in my life where I've had absolutely no goals and absolutely nothing's happened, which is quite weird. When you have no goals, you tend to do nothing. Uh, but when you do have some goals, and and I think, like you say, if 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 it's done the wrong way, it can be detrimental because yeah. if you set these massive lofty goals. Uh, that are just totally unrealistic. You, you can actually do yeah. a bit of damage to yourself from a from a, a mental point of view that that uh, is 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 pretty difficult to overcome. What's the correct yeah. way to go about setting goals? Yeah, well, I mean, to speak about being realistic, I think that is one of one of the keys. 
Um, and it's not saying that you mustn't dream big and you know have big goals, but when you when you get down to the nitty gritty of things, you have to be pretty realistic about your chances of achieving things. And what you're wanting for for goal setting is to set a goal that is challenging enough that you know that you're going to have to work for it, but at the same time that you believe if I work for it, I can achieve it. And um, because you're right, if you're setting goals that are way too high and completely unrealistic. If you don't reach there, you either lose confidence and think, well, I'm never going to be able to do it, um, and or you just kind of, yeah, more than anything, you just really lose confidence. So for me, setting these realistic goals um, is incredibly important. And then the other key, I suppose, to, to goal setting is very often people will set these long-term goals. So this, this year, this is what I want to achieve, um, which is great, but it actually tells you nothing about how you're going to go about achieving those goals. And so we often speak about outcome goals versus process goals. So outcome would be the end result of something, um, and particularly it's a little bit more long-term, I suppose. Um, and then process goals are how are you going to get there. So, you know, it's great to have this idea about what you want with your season and what you want with your year. But unless you're having pretty much almost daily training goals, in some ways goal setting won't work. You have to know as you're getting up every day, what is my goal that I have to achieve today? And how is that going to get me to my longer-term goals? Um, and interestingly, they some psychologists did some research on Olympic champions, and they found one of the psychological differences between sort of Olympic champions and ordinary athletes was they had these daily training goals. Um, and they were far more process-focused. So in other words, focused on um, what must I do, the technique that I must get better, the things that I need to focus on, rather than simply only setting a goal around the end result. Okay, so so in a, in a nutshell on on that sort of thing, what what they would do is they would go okay, and and let's use a let's use an Olympic uh, athlete as an example. Let's say it's a, an Olympic uh, cross country mountain biker. Yeah. They would go okay, we're looking ahead to Rio twenty sixteen. That's the long term goal. We want to perform well there. Then what they would do is is they would take that goal and break it up into yearly cycles. Yeah. So they would then break by the end of this year, they'd need to be here if they were going to make it to Rio twenty sixteen. By the end of twenty fifteen, they'd have to be at point Y to be along yeah. that same sort of path. And then they'd take each one of those years and break it up even into smaller pieces, whether it be quarterly exactly. or six-monthly, down to, to monthly, and then, like you said, down to every single day so that they know that the action they take today, long-term, is walking, uh, working towards that, that big goal that they do have. Yeah, exactly that. It's kind of like you work backwards. So you set the long-term goal, but then you say you work backwards from Rio. And so really importantly, it's... it's Okay, I mean, sometimes you might set goals, I suppose, with the distance that you want to cycle on a particular day. Um, but again, it's really, that's kind of in result focus. What you really want to focus on is what is it within this training session or within this particular mileage that you're wanting to, to ride? What do you want to achieve out of it? Um, and, and that's the process focused kind of goals that, we, that we're speaking about that really give you a, a good idea of your task. And I suppose also in races, that's something really important as well, is that often athletes will set themselves a time that they want to achieve or a place that they want to achieve at the end. But the, the trick with goal setting for, for races is similar to goal setting for the year, is to say, okay, so every step along the way, what I want to have achieved. And I know it sounds like this, it's kind of little stepping stones, but in effect they're called process goals, and they are absolutely vital to performance. Right, pretty. And my mom, funnily enough, you, you talk about the little gold. My mom used to say that, that how do you eat an elephant? And it's one bite at a time. It's if, <laughs> if you think about this big thing, it's daunting, it's difficult. But if you break exactly. it down into little pieces, you can do, do pretty much anything. Well, exactly. You know, and uh, especially for, 
um, so especially for things in, in the future, it doesn't, they found that, you know, things longer than, you know, a couple of days almost actually don't really direct our behavior at all. And so if you want to have a goal that's going to direct your behavior and influence what you do every day, it has to be you know, a goal that's, you know, a couple of hours away almost. <laughs> and then that sort of directs your behavior very effectively. Um, and, and as you were saying earlier as well, when you, when you kind of work back, they just help with evaluation. So you know where you are. And the, the trick with that as well, and the skill, I suppose, is not to get really harsh and critical with yourself if you haven't reached that goal. It's to simply look back and say, okay, what have I done well and what have I not done in order to reach here? Because, again, too often athletes use those goals as very fixed things. And if they don't get them, again, lose huge confidence and become highly critical of uh, you know, the things that they've done. So that's not what goal setting is about. It's about... It's a, these little um, signs along the way to help you evaluate your performance and get better. Um, I mean, some athletes are even worried about setting goals because they think, sure, if I set goals, what happens if I don't achieve them? And then they, you know, they start getting worried about that they said that they want to do these things and now it's stressed about the fact that they might not do it. Um, and if your goals are simply there to help you evaluate um, you know, how you're your past. Okay. Kirsten, it's quite it's quite funny. I mean, I, I'm I'm one who, who who kind of sets big goals, but I've done something slightly different uh, over the sort of Christmas uh, sort of period where I've, I've tried something else. And, and I'll give you the example, and it, it's the similar sort of thing, but it, it's slightly different yeah. as far as goal setting goes. When I first yeah. started, because I, I do a bit of running as well, so when I first started running, I decided from absolutely nothing I wanted to run comrades, and that was the big goal. Yeah. And I broke it down and and went through the whole process and and eventually finished comrades. But I've been battling the last few months just really to wrap my head around getting running again and so what I decided yeah. at the beginning of December was that I was going to run 30 uh, every single day for 30 days run 30 minutes at least every single day so there wasn't yeah. that there was this big goal at the end of the 30 days it was just that I set myself a goal for a short period yeah. of time well, exactly. to, to sort yeah. of get my groove back essentially and, and I am I'm, I'm running probably better than I have for a long long time yeah. and I'm enjoying it again that's a cool way to especially for someone who's maybe battling to get out and train maybe just set a short term mm-hmm. goal like that so hey I want to get out and ride yeah. again what do I need to do yeah, that's that's perfect. And that's what you're saying. Like you want to run comrades, you say you well, you want to enter the Olympic Games in twenty sixteen. That's perfect. You need to set those in a sense those kind of dream goals. But then exactly what you said, you need to almost forget about them in some ways and say, What do I need to do this month or this week? And that's all you focus on. And one of again the why it's a foundational mental skill really is that the goals help direct your focus. And I think we chatted a bit about it before, but you know, when your focus goes all over the show and you start thinking way too far in the future it's, it's problematic. You know, when you start thinking, oh, I have to run, you know, comrades and how am I ever going to get to that amount of training and how am I going to do in the race? And you just, I mean, you want to give up before you even start. Whereas if you just focus on, say, just a month or just this week, every day if I can just do, you know, 30 kilometers just this week and then you refocus on the next week, it just controls your focus. And ultimately, the only thing we can control is, is right now. Um, and so setting these daily and weekly goals help keep our focus just on the moment, um, which for any athlete is, uh, is vital. Um, and especially when you're training for an endurance event, you know, mountain biking is a, you know, it's cool. And you don't want to be thinking about, you know, the race at the end of the year and if you're going to make it, you really want to be thinking about what do I need to do this week. Yeah. And if you set them properly, I do the stuff this week, then I'm, then I'm on track. And if I just do the stuff next week, then I'm on track. Yeah, I mean, if you take care of the small steps, the big sort of steps take care of themselves. Kirsten, do you find exactly. that 
in, in, in sort of today's day and age where there's just so much, so, so many distractions, cell phones and computers and yeah. this and that, do you find that people battle to set goals and not necessarily just to set goals, but to achieve them? Because once they've set it, there's just so many, it's almost like that Chinese silver object syndrome where it's like, oh, there's the next thing, there's the next thing. Do you find that at all? Yeah, look, I think I think you're right, actually, and I think it's because, kind of going back to what I think you probably spoke about at the beginning, that sometimes people just set goals that are completely unrealistic and in unrealistic time frames, and then when you don't get them, um, no one does, you know, no one enjoys not reaching a goal. So when if you set something and you don't get there, then you immediately just kind of think, oh, well, you know, why should I even bother? And as you say, when there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you could be doing and getting distracted, you um, can. Take people off track, and again, that really comes back to your goals that you set as well. They need to be really meaningful for you, because if they're not, then it's um, so then, then it's kind of lost because mm-hmm. there's so much other interesting stuff that you can get distracted by. And yeah, I was actually reading something else on New Year's resolutions the other day, and they were speaking about exactly that. You need to do something that's really meaningful for you, but really importantly as well. Just as I said, you focus not just on this is what I want to have at the end of the year, but this is how I'm going to get. What I want to want at the end of the year. I think you also touched on something important there too, and 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 we haven't mentioned it. Is that it's important to you, not to someone else. So you you can't decide you want to get fit because your spouse wants you to get fit. You you exactly. need to get fit because you want to get fit. Yeah, you know, and hugely so. You know, and especially in um, younger younger riders, you know, school kids and that. You know, often I think they will set goals uh, because they think their parents want them to do it or their coach wants them to do it. Um, and you, understand you have to have it that this is your goal that you want to achieve. And it doesn't matter what age you are. So when someone else is wanting you to do it, you can you can manage for a while. But as soon as things, you know, obstacles come in your path, or as you say, those distractions kind of crop up, it's very easy to get <laughs> to, to go kind of off track. So you're right; those goals have to be your own goals, um, which is hugely important because, as we know, in sport, it's incredibly hard work. Uh, it's it's fun and it's enjoyable, but it's tough. You know, training is not always it's not fun every single day. So if your goal is not something, it's not meaningful to you, then, then it makes it a hundred times more difficult. Yeah. And then, Kirsten, you, you say it's got to be an achievable goal. How do you know a goal's way over the top, or, or if it's something that that is achievable? I mean, that, that's quite a difficult thing to gauge, isn't it? Yeah. No, it is absolutely. And I suppose this is where my job comes into it, and that often where you, when you can talk to someone about it, it helps out. So my advice would be really go and check with maybe some of your training buddies or teammates, or maybe if you do have a coach or you know, someone that you trust, because it is sometimes difficult. We either underestimate our abilities or, on the flip side, you know, overestimate what we can do. So that's why I'm saying it's quite an art to, to setting those goals, because you're right, it is difficult sometimes to know. Is this achievable? But I think, you know, very again, people, they know that it's a bit unrealistic, but they will put it down anyway because they're scared. Because everyone always says, oh, you must dream big and, you know, you don't want to seem like you, you're not challenging yourself. And so there's a place for that, those kind of dreams. But when you actually come down to the nitty gritty of goal setting, you have to be pretty honest with yourself and go, you know, is this something that, that I can do? You know, if you can cycle, you know, three hours for a race, you're not going to all of a sudden say I want to, you know, cycle two hours. You have to um, be a little bit honest with yourself. And certainly talking with some people definitely helps out. 
but you've also got to be careful who you talk to. I'm I'm sure as well because yes, pe- yeah. people uh, are weird. I mean, people don't like. Uh, I don't know if it's just human nature that uh, as soon as people see other people getting ahead, they sort of talk them down. But it's it's also a case of that if you want to set a big goal, maybe you do have a, a huge lofty ambition, then find someone who's yeah. done it and and chat to them about it to see what it will take yeah. and and what it'll take you to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's vital who you speak to because you're right. Other people are going to try and dissuade you from doing things, or you're going to think, well, you know, you need to just go for it. When actually, as you say, there's a bit more of a process to it. And um, so you want to surround yourself with people that are positive, but they're not going to lie to you about your abilities. And I often think that's what makes the best uh, coaches. You know, that quality of being able to be really realistic with the people that you are that you're training. So the best coaches are they're not going to they're not going to bluff the athletes. You know, if you can't do something, uh, they're not going to tell you that you can. But at the same time, you have to push people to reach their own potential. And that comes back to, again, what are your goals and what is your potential? It doesn't, you don't have to be Olympic champion. Not everyone's going to be Olympic champion. You simply need to set the goals that, again, are meaningful for you and that are realistic for you to achieve. And as far as I know that, <laughs> yeah, no, without a doubt. And as far as writing the goals down, I mean, is there any research to to suggest that goals that are written down are, are sort of more often achieved than those that that aren't? Yeah, I think you know when we write them down, it's the same as telling someone, and that it makes it a bit more real. It's a lot easier to sort of all of a sudden change the goal in your head if you haven't written it down or you haven't told anyone. It's easier to kind of trick yourself, I suppose. Whereas if you've actually written something down and stuck it up somewhere and say, oh, if you told someone that this is what you want to achieve, um, it's, it makes it a little bit more concrete and a bit more real and you can't really trick yourself into thinking, I didn't really want to achieve that. Um, and that's why I'm always amazed at sort of athletes like, I mean, you know, I was a swimmer and athletes like Michael Phelps that come out you know, before Beijing Olympics and say, I'm going to win eight medals, I'm going to try and win eight medals. You know, it's an incredible statement to make <laughs> and a very public statement. Um, and you think the pressure then to achieve that goal is huge. Um, but, but, you know, people do. And so definitely the research is that if you at least write it down or you tell someone, you're a little bit more accountable and you, you remember it and go, oh, you know, this is what I wanted to achieve. It helps you focus a bit more on your training uh, to achieve that. Yeah, and also I think just in, in closing, Kirsten, one thing that, that I've learned as well, even with big sort of, I don't know if it's just me the way I am, if I set a big goal and, and I don't get there, I say to myself, you know what, it's not a train smash. At least I'm further along the way than what I would have been if I didn't set the goal. So that's also, don't if you if you miss a goal along the way, it's not it's not the end of the world either. No, exactly. And that's what I said earlier. Like you don't want to get harsh and critical you know, of yourself when you don't reach the goal that you, that you set. Um, because you say there's, it's weird, us athletes get almost a bit embarrassed about the fact that they haven't reached it. But there's absolutely, as you say, you're further along than most people are. And so as a perfect example of that, and it, unfortunately saw a swimming example, there was a lady, Diana Nyad, who had, um, a couple of months ago, I don't know if you saw in the news, she swam from Cuba to Florida, yes, yes. which is amazing. Yeah, and she was in her 60s. And the time that she, uh, this, this last attempt was actually her fifth attempt to get across. And, you know, so she, she kept on going and she said this was something that no one else had ever done. And I heard her speak on the first attempt that she made and she hadn't made it. And yet she stood up and spoke in front of all these people and said, you know, I haven't made it, but I know that I can. And she kept on going. She said, just because you don't make it the first time doesn't mean you're not going to achieve it. Um, but she learned some lessons and that we have to take, you know, uh, anything is that we just take the lessons out of what we've done and apply them and, and keep going. 
and that's that resilience that we, you know, any athlete needs, especially in, in an endurance sport um, like mountain biking. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Kirsten van Heerden from the Kings Park Sports Medical Centre in Durban. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Mountain Bike Talk SA. Fascinating insight. And I'll pop all your details up on our website as well. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you through the practice, they can do that just by checking out the show notes for this episode of Mountain Bike Talk SA. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Brad. of the Gauteng and the Northwest Mountain Bike Series, which is part of the national series run by Spur. All right, fantastic. Okay, cool. Here we go. Okay. There's some amazing things happening on the mountain biking front. Uh, from a junior level, we're producing some world-class juniors. You saw it at last year's uh, Mountain Bike World Champs in Peter Marisburg. And one of the big sort of grounds where those uh, athletes are coming through is the High School Mountain Bike Series. It's a series of races that happen around the country, uh, all over the place as well. And it's great to welcome one of the gentlemen who are involved with that, uh, and he's very involved in the Northwestern Gauteng. Uh, Dion Stein, Dion, thank you for joining us. Uh, on Mountain Bike Talk SA this week. It's good to have you on. Thank you. Dion, let's chat a little bit about the Mountain Biking Series uh, for high schools. It's it's amazing. I mean, I grew up on a bike and absolutely loved it. And it's just really cool to see that there's something for kids in our schools to, to sort of get them into the sport of mountain biking. How did it come about? Actually, I was uh, walking around in the shopping center one day. I saw a couple of junior uh, boys just mucking around in the shopping center and I thought to myself, there must be something to keep these guys busy, getting out of the shopping malls. And so I thought about mountain biking, and uh, well, it's from there on, it just happens. Uh, we got a kids on the bikes that started small, 43 riders at our first event, and that was about eight years ago. And it has grown to over 600 last year. Okay, <clears throat> over, over 600 at an event, uh, and it's cross-country cross country racing. That's that's huge. I mean, if you, you take like a, a normal cross-country race uh, at, at sort of senior level, I mean, that, those numbers are, are massive. It is massive. Uh, I had the numbers confirmed by Cyclist Africa. It is officially the biggest cross-country event in Africa. The South African national cross-country events only draw 300 now and again, morely, more often 250. Uh, so it, it is huge, and amazingly, it's only on, on three categories, uh, sub-juniors, juniors, and, 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 the, and the youth boys. And it means 125 starters per group, followed by about 30 ladies afterwards. It is tremendously exciting. It is, and, and it bodes well for, for South African cycling and, and mountain biking in particular. I mean, we've produced some, some world-class athletes. Uh, I mean, if you think, obviously, the late Barry Stunder, he definitely would have been uh, a shoe-in at the next Olympic Games. And, and it's, it's probably someone like, like Barry, who's, who, the legacy that he's left, that a lot of these youngsters, even if they, they hadn't met Barry, but they, they want to be just like him, and they want to beat, uh, beat the best in the world, don't they? Absolutely. Uh, the young riders need somebody to look up uh, to who they can uh, want to be. And Barry obviously was, was a very, very good example of what can be achieved. Uh, if you want to look at our other riders, Philip Bass, when he was still a junior, actually took part in a, in a high school series when it was in his very uh, beginning stages about 10 years ago. Uh, Francho Tron, uh, one of our elite riders, uh, was also a winner of this high school series a couple of years ago. For the South African junior team that took, have taken part in the the World Championship last year, out of the 14 junior riders, four of those riders came from Gauteng and the Northwest uh, High School uh, mountain bike uh, provinces. And in the under-23 categories, both uh, William and Rosalia took part in high school series about three, four years ago. Six out of 
those people, what can I say? Yeah. Make a dream come true. No, no, no absolutely. Uh, Dion, I mean, it, it, it obviously shows that the series is working. Uh, as far as the series is concerned itself, I mean, you, you've mentioned the numbers of, of kids that are racing. Uh, there's been some interesting developments last year as well that you guys have been registered as an official body as well. So you're registered now as an official school sport. Tell us a little bit about that and how that came about. Well, uh, after the last year, I was my eighth year of, of being uh, organizing high school events and high school mountain biking. And obviously, the parents want something more for the children. The, the, the children that win the categories, what is the next step? Cycling is not a recognized school sport as yet. It's an outside sport. But we've taken a step last year to, uh, to get a body together. We formed South African School uh, Cycling. Uh, we have affiliated with CSA. Uh, obviously, they're quite uh, excited about it because it all of a sudden gives them access to 12 million scholars sitting on the school benches that we now can reach as well. We are in talks with everybody, department, sport, and so on, to get a sport organized and recognized as a school sport. It's going to be a while, but we are getting there. But what we have done last year is, at a national spur event, the, first, the Sunday, we selected the top three from every province, and they rode for the province, and we gave their special provincial jerseys, which make it official under the South African school constitution. And... Uh, some kids, it was the only way that they could get provincial colors in uh, cross-country as some of the provinces don't have a provincial championships. They were tears, to be honest. A couple of mine as well, but some of the parents, some of the, the, the riders were crying just for the fact that they could get recognition and the talent was seen. So what it means is that, uh, yeah, from uh, in the nine provinces, we got a top three in every category, boys and girls. And so that, and Cyclones Africa got some huge talent now to, to, to look at and, and develop, hopefully. Dion, you, you mentioned that there's uh, potential 12 million learners that uh, you, you've got access to with regards to uh, possibly getting them on, on mountain bikes and, and, and participating in, in the school series. I mean, it's pretty big. If, if you think of the amount of kids that just own bicycles, as an example, they, they might not ride in any formal setting, but the sort of, I don't want to say the market uh, per se, but the amount of children who, who are on bike and, and love riding bikes. I mean, I've, I've yet to see a kid who you give a bicycle to and he hates it and goes, oh, I'd rather not. I mean, you, you put a kid on a bicycle and they absolutely love it, and that bodes well for the sport because obviously the more kids you can get on to, to bicycles, uh, the, the top uh, or the, the cream's just going to rise to the top and, and you're going to find the, the world-class athletes that way. Absolutely. Uh, if one just look at the cycling industry, if you can get any rider to start cycling, say at the age of 12, 13, grade 5 or standard 5, as we used to call it, by the time he reached matric, he would have consumed at least four bikes. I don't know how many shoes, sunglasses, shirts, and so on. It is a tremendously huge potential market for our uh, cycling industry out there. Obviously, uh, for, for South African to get the next very standard, yeah, it, it, it is on there. And fortunately, it leaves us with a couple of positive problems. How are we going to get all the kids and how are we going to get all the events up? We need sponsors. But what, what we have done very, very successfully is by taking the sport to the schools. In Gauteng and in Northwest, out of the eight events last year, seven were run on school campuses. And part of the races actually went through the school buildings on the passages and so on. Obviously, the kids love it. The beauty with the mountain bike is that you can virtually cycle anywhere, and I think we're doing that very well and use that to our, our advantage. That sounds, that sounds brilliant. Dion, talk to me a little bit about the series itself. How, how is it made up and how does it work? And, and uh, yeah, Let's talk about the logistics of the series itself, and then we'll talk just now about how people can, in, can get involved. So it's run on a national basis, but tell us how it works. Yeah, uh, Spur is a national sponsor, and there's a series in every province. Uh, 
The Gauteng in Northwest Series for this year will consist of four events each. All the schools that want to win the school champion league must participate in all the events. But for the riders, only the best three provinces will, uh, the best three results will count towards points when we elect the provincial team at the end of the season. And following the conclusion of the series, the top three schools and Gauteng, the top nine schools, will be invited to attend the 4th and the 5th of October, the National Spur Weekend at Baker High School, where the top schools in the country will fight it out for top honors, for national honors. Otherwise, the school that win will be the top Mandermark school in South Africa. And then on the Sunday of that weekend, we will again have the provincial high school teams fighting out for top provincial high school honors there. Gauteng is the defending champion. People that want more information, they can have a look at our website, www.highschoolmtb.co.za. There's an enormous amount of information on there, rules, contact persons, and a lot of articles, what they can do. And the other thing we are going to do, and we have started actually, is we are going to train a team manager at every school and a commissaire at every school. So the school have got rules, technical backup, and technical layout if they want to put event together and invite a fellow neighboring school for mountain biking water. Dion, what I'll do is I'll put all those details up on our website as well. So if someone's listening to this and they, they want to find out more about you guys, they can just go from mountainbiketalksa.co.za uh, through to you guys. But I, I wanted to ask, and, and, and you talk about uh, if people want to get involved with you, obviously you want to get the schools on board. That's that's where, where the growth is going to be because if you get a school on board, they can then filter it down to the kids. But there's tons of kids that ride mountain bike outside of, of their school activities and maybe one of them are, are listening to this and, and they want to get their school involved. Can they approach their school to get in touch with you or do they need to get in touch with you first and you'll get in touch with the school? Uh Anybody from my school, whether it's a parent, a rider, or a teacher, can just get hold of me on that website, find me. And once I have the details, I will come part of it on, uh, on our email list and our newsletters. And then we'll send them like, all the initial information and we'll guide them as to what they must do uh, to be able to get a team there and, and, and all the pros and cons. All our events is uh, very safe. Uh, I've got a comprehensive safety file and we fall all under the South African Schools Act and they just strict what you can and cannot do there. But I'm proud to say that we are doing things by the book. And we're actually going better than what the law requires from us. Fantastic. Dion, it's, uh, the series is obviously running in the calendar year, in the school year. With the schools going back now, when do things sort of uh, get underway and, and get off the ground for 2014? Uh, well, the window that we can use is actually from July until September, October. Uh, unfortunately, a couple of years ago, we were not big enough to fight it out against the rugby and the netball and athletics and so on. And we started in July, and since then, that is our league, and that is our window of opportunity. Our first event will be on the 26th of July uh, in Gauteng, uh, and then every so couple of weeks there will be an event until uh, all four and the two provinces are completed, but which will be followed by the national event on the 4th of October at, at, at uh, Becker High School, close to Michalisburg. That's brilliant. So, uh, yeah, Dion, if I could ask you, please please stay in touch with me. I'd love to come out and, and watch that national champs at Becker. It's pretty close to where I stay as well. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely come out and, and support that one. And I think now is probably the right time to lay the groundwork heading in to the season uh, come come winter so that everything's in place. So if someone's listening to this and they want to find out more and they want to get involved, I'll pop all Dion's details up on our website. Dion Stain from the Mountain Bike, uh, the High School Mountain Bike Series. Thank you for joining us this week on Mountain Bike Talk SA. Really do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. A pleasure.
And that's it for another week of Mountain Bike Talk SA. From myself, Brad Brown, thank you so much for listening. Do be in touch podcast at mtbtalksa.coza. If there's something you'd like me to know about or if there's something coming up uh, that we need to tell everyone here in South Africa about, pop me an email. The email address, once again, podcast at mtbtalksa.coza. Thanks to both of my guests, Dion and Kirsten. I appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, until next time, have yourself a wonderful week. Be in touch on the social media networks as well. If you're on Twitter at MTB Talk SA or on Facebook, just look us up as well. We'll chat again next week. Until then, cheers. (laughs) 